Hey everyone, we're back and today's a special episode, not our usual episode. Tell us why, Will. Well, first of all, we need a bit of a break because I think the last couple ones have been a little bit more heavier than our Imlite name suggests. So <laughs> yeah. as you can see, we're, we're in our casual clothes today. Yes, uh, Super Mario. Super, oh, we got Super <laughs> Mario. I'm just, I'm just wearing you know, all black, black on black. Um, but yeah, we, we wanted to today... Uh, invite two new team members. I mean, both of us have recently engaged slash hired uh, new team members, and we think that they're incredible, and we cannot wait to introduce them to the world and to all of you, and possibly have them as future correspondents on our show. Absolutely. But first, well, let's uh, go for our introduction. Um, you know, my name is Lou Jansen Dangs Allen. I am an immigration lawyer in Toronto. And my name is Will Tao, and I'm an immigration lawyer here in Vancouver slash Burnaby. I'm in Burnaby. <laughs> uh, I'd like to acknowledge that I am presenting today on the unceded and stolen territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Kaikat nations. And I'd like to acknowledge that I am in the traditional territories of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations. Awesome. So, uh, Let's proceed to introduce our guests. Super excited. So we have with us here today, uh, my newest associate, Angela Lee Harris. And we have with us, uh, Andrew Colton. Hi. Angela and Andrew, uh, I've actually gave them, coined them a nickname already, <laughs> Team AA Batteries. And the reason being is we're going to need a serious recharge moving forward. And these two certainly provide the spark. Absolutely. So introducing them, what we would like to do is to have them tell their stories first, because I know many who listen to this podcast and who've listened to past podcasts that I think both of us have been on or, or speaker events have asked about how we got into law uh, and our journeys to pursuing immigration. So why don't we ask our uh, two newest team members the same question? How did they get here and what inspired them along the way? Yeah, absolutely. These uh, personal stories of uh, journeys to practicing immigration law always fascinate me. So uh, it would be a nice uh, introduction uh, by way of uh, you know, telling our stories. I mean, it is all, obviously the objective of this podcast is to, uh, you know, tell stories, right, Will? All right, so let's get at it. So Angela, tell me your story. Hello, I'm Angela Harris. Um, my pronouns at this time are she, her. And first I would like to acknowledge that I'm meeting from the um, traditional ancestral and unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples of the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh and Musqueam nations. I'm very grateful to be here this evening. Um, okay, I'll tell you a bit now about my um, journey into law, um, first of all. Um, so I, the decision to go to law school is actually a very um, spontaneous and last minute decision for me. Um, I became interested in law because of my passion for social justice. And I thought that a legal education would give me some tools that I could use to help further social justice. Growing up, I, I didn't know any lawyers, and to be honest, I didn't really know what I was um, walking into when I decided to go to law school. Um, when I um, came to, to law school, I, um, like, I wasn't really sure even at first that I wanted to be a, a lawyer, um, but it was always important to me to find 
work that I was very passionate about. I think um, it's fair to say that at law school, there's a lot of pressure to conform. But for me, I, I always did my best to um, ask myself what path was truly right for me and um, not to compromise just to fit in. And during my second year uh, of law school, I took Professor Arbel's refugee law class. And that was definitely one of my favorite classes at law school. And then after um, law school during my articling year, I was fortunate um, to have the chance to work on numerous um, refugee files as well as some other like immigration law files. And I realized that this was a practice area that I was very passionate about. I, I loved working one-on-one -on -one with clients and um, helping them to tell their stories. I, I just find it, found it very rewarding um, whenever I could help people on their journey toward um, building better lives for themselves. And um, then after articling, I, I was taking some time um, to find a position that was a good fit for me. And I, I knew I wanted to be an immigration and refugee lawyer. At first, I was actually considering going solo, starting my own practice. And I was doing a lot of reading into the business of law. But then um, I guess it was a bit over a month ago now, um, I saw a post on the, the Junior Refugee and Immigration Lawyers Network um, that was featuring Will. And it said that he was um, going to start his own practice um, at Heron Law Offices and um, that he was looking to build a network of, of racialized lawyers um, who, who wanted to do law differently. Uh, I actually, I was familiar with Will already from his Vancouver Immigration blog and I was very interested in working with him. Um, so then I immediately reached out to him and introduced myself, um, asked if we could connect. And I was very grateful when he offered me a position at, at Heron Law Offices. I, I mean, although I could have gone solo, I, I think that um, law and social justice are, are not done best in isolation and um, that there's so much to be gained from working as part of a team, um, learning from and with each other. And um, I'm just so thankful that I'm, I'm part of a team at a firm where the, like the values and aspirations are, are very similar to my own and um, where I can have the mentorship of a lawyer as experienced and as talented as Will. So I'm, I'm very grateful for this position. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. No, that that's wonderful. And and I, and just some things for those of you who who don't know Angela. Um, I don't know someone else who is so detail oriented and and so you know, she, she she's only just started her legal career, but it feels like I'm practicing with someone who's done it for four or five years. And I say this like with all the uh, flowers that that. Uh, entails um, so detail oriented. We actually have a special portion of our, our team meetings dedicated to Angela's questions because she's asked all the best questions and we have to set out time for those. Uh, so thank you so much, Angela. And I'm so glad that you're here. And again, a, a future co-host of this uh, uh, podcast as well, which is incredible. And we're looking forward to hearing more about that. Uh, Andrew, um, I again, uh, before we started the show, I was just telling uh, everyone here, how I've been a huge fan of Andrew's uh, from everything he's posts on Twitter to his engagement to raising social justice issues um, and, and refugee issues. Um, how did you end up uh, 
first of all, going to our alma mater, University of Ottawa Faculty of Law, but how did you also end up at, at LJ's office? For, for me, I think like a lot of immigration lawyers, um, you, you fall into immigration law because of uh, your family's experiences and having a family connection to Canada's immigration process. Uh, for me, it was my grandparents. Uh, they, they came to Canada as refugees from Ukraine uh, after the Second World War. Uh, so I grew up really cognizant of, of sort of this lottery ticket um, that, I, that I was handed um, where it happened that my grandparents were refugees and for uh, in a movement that has never really been repeated, Canada widely opened its doors and took in thousands of refugees without asking a lot of questions, without um, really focusing on how many is the right number. And so... I knew as I, as I finished my university degree that I wanted to really honor that legacy and give back to other refugees uh, who were struggling and work to improve their lives. And so for, for a long time, I thought that meant doing humanitarian international development work. Um, I, really, I really did fall into, into that pit trap. Uh, and I, I worked abroad with, uh, shout out to a great organization called Syria Relief. Uh, which is a uh, Syrian-founded, Syrian-organized, uh, an entirely Syrian-run uh, local NGO that uh, works across the border, the Turkish-Syrian border. And that, that really led me to reflect on, did I actually want to do humanitarian work? Did I want to do international development work? Um, because everything they say about it is true. It is very much a, it's a system built upon discrimination and a white savior complex and you you have to really understand if you want to fall into that and keep working in within that system or find a different way uh, to work with refugees and that's that's what I decided while I was there I met just the most amazing friends um, who I'm still friends with now um, and I realized that they were they were sort of trapped in circumstances where they had refugee protection but they'll never, They'll never be able to go back home, but they'll never be truly safe where they are. Uh, so I wanted to find a pathway to work on permanent uh, solutions with them. Uh, and it led me to realize that I wanted to practice refugee law um, because a lot of humanitarian international development work is really band-aid work of how do you let someone work? Uh, how do you get someone relief, shelter, water for the next year, and then be stuck in that year-to-year -year funding cycle? Um, and I wanted to work on permanent solutions. Uh, so I, I came to Canada, um, I applied a couple times to get into law school, and I ended up at what I think is the best, the best law school for immigration law, the University of Ottawa, um, which I, I think a, a large part of, the, of, of this conversation is a little bit biased towards. Um, and then I, while I was there, um, I think my eyes were opened a little bit in that there's no, there's no hierarchy. Um, among immigration law matters in terms of what is deserving and what is needed. Even if a matter isn't life or death, every immigration decision is life-changing. Um, and it really pushed me to, to expand my interest beyond refugee law um, and learn everything I could about the tool set within immigration law and how to get um, people into Canada. And so from that, I was very fortunate that I was able to, to summer at, a, at, an article, at an immigration law firm. I was able to work at uh, the Community Legal Services of Ottawa in their immigration division, um, which 
then let me really gave me the confidence to to actually approach Lou uh, through Twitter. And I think uh, you talked a little bit about creating your own your own articling position, your own jobs. Um, and I, I had discovered Lou on Twitter actually through Will. Uh, I, I was I was thinking about how I met Lou or how I had learned about Lou and Will. Um, I think maybe a year ago or two years ago, nom- um, encouraged people to go vote for him for a top 25 award at uh, Canadian Lawyers Magazine. Uh, and there was this, this great description of Lou uh, and, and setting up his own firm right out of articling, um, really steering his own ship and, and making it work for him. And that was something that I, I found very inspirational because I knew that no matter what happened, if I had to article in corporate law, if I had to article in family law and I couldn't do it in immigration, I would go and set up my own firm and, and go back to, to my life goal of, of immigration refugee law. And so I started following Lou on Twitter. I started really appreciating his tweets and his, his thoughtful engagement on issues. And then I think it must have been, I think it was in November, December where I approached Lou and I said, uh, I, email, I emailed him after, after finding his email and explain sort of this connection of how I found you on Twitter. I really admired you. Are you hiring at all? Um, and it, it led to, I think actually the, the, the most thoughtful um, hiring process I've been through where he gave me uh, three, three questions, three interview questions through an email and just asked me to reflect upon them and just give him very honest answers as to um, where did I see myself still practicing in immigration law five, 10 years from now? Um, how much of my practice would I want to be dedicated to immigration law? Um, and I forget the third question, but it was, it was one of those great opportunities for self-reflection and really thinking, what do you want out of your career? And what would me joining Lou help me get there? And I, I think I agonized over that email for, for 24, 48 hours. I don't think he meant it to be agonizing, but it was I very rarely in law school do you get a, an opportunity for self-reflection um, because of deadlines. And so I really, I really leaned into it. Um, and it, it led to me uh, to Lua end up uh, offering me the position and I, I couldn't be happier. When do you start formally? Uh, formally, I start uh, in the beginning of August. Uh, Angela is, I, is a, a year, two years ahead of me uh, in that she is, she is already articled. Wonderful. That's right. Okay. Yeah. No, I was, I was just going to say that, yeah, those questions were supposed to be reflective. I also kind of wanted to get a snapshot of who you are as a, you know, a, an immigration professional. Um, but what really struck me about um, Andrew, actually, because uh, you're not the only one who actually reached that at around the same time. The funny thing was, I wasn't publicly looking for people, um, but I knew at the time, and I was just telling Will this this morning, that I was actually at the verge of like, okay, I need to get help very soon otherwise I'm going to crack because it's getting really busy um, and uh, there were people who reached out uh, you were one of them and what struck me about you was um, not only your um, I, I suppose like uh, your determined insistence and interest in in immigration which I found really refreshing because you know a lot of people uh, think of immigration as you know um, I guess it, they, they see it as a means to an end rather than something to be passionate about um, or maybe I'm just like, you know, misreading ro- the room. Um, but what really struck me was the fact that, you know, you had such a broad and international experience that allowed you to have this um, capacity for intercultural understanding and dialogue. Um, 
and it really permeated towards um, you know through, throughout your CV really when when I was um, reading it and when I was reading your answers they were very thoughtful um, it, it shows and reflects your international experience and the depth and the breadth of your experience and not just professional but also personal in life so um, I'm glad that those questions actually reverberated, um, even if, you know, you're right, it didn't mean to make you agonize over them, but I'm glad that it made, the, it gave you an opportunity to reflect. <laughs> wow. That's, that's an amazing story. And, and LJ, actually, I, I share a very similar one in the, in the way that I hired Angela. Like when we started our firm in uh, the first week of February, Idris and I, uh, who was the other co-founder, um, we were thinking that we weren't going to expand until at least next year, right? This was going to be a year of transition, um, building our own thing up from scratch. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, my spouse is expecting in May, so we got a little baby girl on the way. Um, so all these things were, were on our mind. But as soon as I, I met Angela, I, I told Idris, and I remember calling Idris and being like, you're going to have to try and tell me, like, convince me out of this because... I think I found someone who we need to be part, not only just as an associate, right? Uh, and, and Angela, uh, and this is something we can talk about probably on future episodes. She's coming in on a contract uh, contractor model, which is more familiar now with a lot of the law firms. Uh, but Angela really had ideas of where she wanted to grow and build her own practice and career and, 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 and a strong commitment to values that, that I just couldn't find anywhere else, right? And um, I think it's quite you know, amazing that both of us didn't go through necessarily a formal recruitment process and that it was cold emails and first impressions and like good conversations that led to our eventual decisions. That's right. And um, it's nice that Andrew actually pointed out to that tweet that I put out there at some point. And I think I repeated it not too long ago, um, sometime during the January OCI cycle in Ottawa something about creating opportunities. And that's something that I learned through law school. I mean, I went through the OCI process as well. Like a lot of people get uh, interviews, but then really don't end up with anything. Um, you know, it's normal, you know, it, it, things happen for a reason, in my opinion. Uh, but then we, it dawned on me when I was talking to a career development officer over at, um, at the University of Ottawa that, um, listen, we're in a profession where we can actually make our own opportunities. So we're kind of like uh, really well positioned in that regard. So I said, why not? And I've seen a lot of people who straight out of articles um, would actually do it on their own, uh, strike out on their own and start their own practice and to uh, great success actually. So that was uh, in a way a source of inspiration. And I, I feel you, Angela, when you said something about you know being siloed and being lonely, um, it's got to be like, you know, with a team. So, you know, there are ways to get around that um, when you're practicing solo, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I also appreciate the fact that there are great advantages to working with people like Will right off the bat. And I'm, I'm really jealous, to be honest. <laughs> if, I were, if I were like maybe three years junior, I, I would probably be like salivating that, oh my goodness, I would probably want to work for Will Tao. Um, at that point, we pretty much work together, anyways. LJ, like we're, we're yeah. like in pretty much a loose association. I, I call it's you true. more than I call any other lawyer in, in Canada. So, yeah, and you're and, gonna put me on retainer down the road for all the time that I take. Yeah, yeah, and, and with Andrew, uh, with respect to Andrew, like you know, one of the other things that I did note, um, just to, to round it up, I guess, was um, his interest in mental health law. 
Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is slowly becoming a major concern and it's slowly, you know, percolating to the mainstream. Um, it's not much of a concern at the moment, but it's, it's getting traction, which is great because, you know, whether you're in criminal law, family law, or in immigration law, refugee law, it all intersects with mental health issues and mental health law is something of a, an area that you know, I will admit it's more of a blind spot spot for me. So I'm glad that Andrew's coming on board to help me with, you know, um, managing files that are a bit more complicated than the usual economic files when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. And Angela, on my end, uh, sorry to cut you off, Andrew. Uh, um, Angela, on 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 my end, is uh, has done extensive look in and in research into Indigenous law, which is fantastic because that was also one of our big vision pieces was that we want to build a firm for the future for Indigenous uh, law students and lawyers to practice at mm. and practice immigration in a, in a, in a sort of reformed manner of, of immigration. So uh, having Angela with that with that background and research and a passion to, to push forward that project, that also just really cemented it. So uh, an advice to those applying, like rather than necessarily focus on the the job aspect, uh, you know, the, the pathway and the process by which you want to assist and, and work with us to get there. And, and, and we want to be part of your, of your journeys as much as you want to be part of ours. So mm. that, that mutuality, if you can share it, is wonderful. So thank you, Angela, again, for, for reaching out in the way that you did. By some confluence of uh, events, I'm really happy that Andrew reached out. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> I'm really looking to forward to August, seriously. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, uh, that being said, uh, as we said, this is a special Imlight episode, and uh, we'd like to um, jump right into it. Uh, there's a game that our amazing game master, Will Tao, has devised. We, do you want to talk about the rules, Will, and like the mechanics of this? Yes. I, I have tried to explain this on a couple occasions, and I failed miserably. So let's try again. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do is a game, essentially, how well do you know your team member? Uh, and the teams are split into LJ and Andrew uh, versus Will and Angela. Okay, so those are the teams. Um, how this game works is each team is to direct a question at one individual. So for example, if uh, as Angela and I are a team, we're gonna direct it either to Andrew or to LJ. And to that individual, they will answer the question that we direct and they'll write it on a board such as this one with a reason why uh, for that answer. So each one, again, there's only one possible answer out of two based on the questions that's asked. And then you have to provide a reason or justification. So that's why you would select that answer. The other team member is then to try and answer that question, stepping into the shoes of their team member, thinking what they would answer. So for example, um, we, we, we sent out an example earlier, uh, if, uh, LJ, you asked Angela what her favorite to choose between two food options, uh, an egg salad sandwich or a steak. Um, then Angela would write her answer, which would actually be egg salad sandwich. I didn't, I wouldn't know that, but that would be the answer. And why? Because she's vegetarian. And then I would have to answer uh, what I think she answered on my board. And then I would share my answer and then try and justify why. Okay. Hopefully that explanation somewhat made sense. In terms of uh, the points, um, a point is given for each correct match. So if you match up with your teammate's answer, that's one point. If you match up for the explanation, that's also one point. 
Although, uh, if it doesn't fully match, you're going to have to try and argue your way to half a point. Okay. <laughs> um, in terms of, uh, there is going to be a bonus round. There is a, the third question is going to be Canadian immigration law dorky. Uh, so prepare for a third question that is about immigration law. And if you get that one right, you get bonus points. So two points instead of one for the correct answer uh, and as well for the match. Okay. All Somewhat right. clear. I'm not the best at giving instructions. I'm not an Ikea manual, unfortunately. But. <laughs> well, it came across. Uh, but one, one thing, guys, uh, just uh, for the benefit of those who are listening to what not, us not on YouTube, uh, we'll, we'll have to describe uh, what we write down later on. Uh, just oh, a note. That's such a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> the resident game show expert apparently didn't think about that beforehand. Well, anyways, we'll, we'll cut we'll, that off. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably discuss that. Okay. So, uh, who asked the first question? Shall team... Team Will and Angela can go and ask the question, I would say. Okay. Angela, why don't you ask your question first? Okay, this is a question for Andrew. Um, would you rather live in Canada for the rest of your life or move to another country? Oof. And why? <laughs> So Andrew's going to write down his answer now and the reason why, and then LJ will have to try and figure what that answer is. And I think I have a good sense of what this is actually. Okay. Well, you have to write it down on your, uh, your little right. whiteboard too as well. And hopefully it matches. For those who are listening, we are in the midst of writing down <laughs> our answers. Um, All right. I'm ready. What about okay. you? All right. Three as well. So Three. go ahead. LJ, next, no, LJ, you 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 show yours first and explain why, and then okay. Andrew will reveal his. So I say Canada. And the reason is because uh, Andrew's uh, partner is a uh, physician in Canada and will likely have trouble as immigration practitioners, all of us or professionals, we know that it's hard to get our credentials accredited in other countries. It's not a walk in the park. So my guess is Canada. Andrew? Uh, so to reveal, correct, I did choose uh -huh. Canada. And I also chose, uh, because I'm very family bound here in Canada. Um, I think, I don't think Lou gets this point though, because I didn't bring up um, that she would have professional accreditation. It didn't even occur to me. Partner. Um, <laughs> I was speaking more to um, all of my family is here, including my uh, extended family. So unless I can bring all eight of them, uh, then unfortunately I'm stuck. That's a, a bit of a self-sabotage because it sounds to me like half a mark probably should have been uh, warranted. Like that, that sounds like pretty good though. Like Angela, what do you think? Do we do we award them half a mark? I'm feeling kind of generous today. I think so. Yeah, that was that was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I would have given my UBC students half a mark on their exam. <laughs> <laughs> All anyway. right, then. Andrew, do you want to ask the next question? Uh, yes, uh, my next question was directed to Angela, and it was if you could cook breakfast or go out for breakfast, uh, which uh, would you go with? Ooh. It's a hard one. You're in Burnaby and Vancouver. You have excellent brunch places. So <laughs> I feel like this is the, you know, uh, the bonus round for the Jeopardy show. <laughs> I'm ready now. All right. So I got 
on mine, I don't know if it's right, cook breakfast because then I can post it on Facebook. <laughs> okay, so my answer is cook breakfast, Ooh. but it's um, because cooking is one of my greatest passions. <laughs> okay, so listen, passion and Facebook kind of go together too, right? Because if you're not passionate <laughs> about something, you're not putting that on Facebook, no? There's a lot of passion on Facebook. What do you think, Andrew? <laughs> I, I think absolutely. Um, Will's was just a very specific form of passion. So I, I'd say the full point for sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh, full point. I agree, actually. Wow. Full point. <laughs> That's very generous. So keeping tally, it's 1.5 against two. Oh, gosh. Um, I feel like um, I'm under tremendous pressure now that, that Will's going to ask that question. Well, I got a question for you. Okay, so I'm actually, I put this on my cell phone because I had to like draft this. <laughs> it's actually, it's not it. It's not an affidavit. That's not that. Um, okay. David. <laughs> yeah, we text about affidavits apparently on our phone. <laughs> um, okay, question to LJ. You have a full day off of work, which is... Two years ago. <laughs> Are you taking a nice bike ride to eat a plate of lumpia? And for those who know lumpia, you get the spring rolls, right? Uh, or are you sleeping for 12 hours so you can dream about going back to Singapore? And let's say that's like so real that you're actually there in your dreams. Okay, okay. That's a tough one. If uh, Andrew's been following my tweets lately, I think he has a good indication of where. <laughs> wait, this... wait, wait, wait! This, this, we're gonna lose part points for, <laughs> for, for advanced communication here. This is. But he's done. <laughs> I'm done. I I got it. All right. Okay. Hands off the pen. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. Right. No, 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 no! Wait, wait! wait. You, oh. don't, you don't show yet. Yeah, we gotta Andrew. Andrew shows first, and and what and what the answer, what he thinks LJ put, and then let's yeah. see the reasons. Yeah, I'm curious. Okay. Uh, so coming up, I put down biking. I, I apologize. I have the handwriting of a child. Um, and I put it because Lou believes that biking is self-care and any food at the end is just a greatly rewarded bonus. Ooh. That reason is kind of spooky because it's, well, it's not really to the point, but it's very close. Wow. Okay. That, yeah. Angela, are we, are we giving the the full marks for that, I think. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so who gets to ask the dorky question now? No, there's one more still, I think, right? Oh, is there? There's one to me, and then Angela has to guess one. Yeah. So ah. I think yeah. you have one non-dorky one first. Okay. Which would you prefer to do, Will, for a long drive? Um, let's say, uh, sorry, for a, for a long trip, rather, between Vancouver and Calgary. And if, you know, there are lines available, would you rather uh, take the train or would you be driving alone? Ooh. Wait, we need some clarity. Train with someone or driving alone or both alone? Both alone. Okay, I think I'm going to have this one wrong. <laughs> the, um, train because it's more exciting than driving. 
I'm curious what uh... train. Um, and the reason being, my writing is horrible, but I don't want to die because I have an ensign. I'm a perpetual new driver. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a new I've had my new driver's license for a decade now because I'm too scared to write the full exam because I probably failed because I've only you're 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 allowed to hold on to that level? Yeah, forever. <laughs> I did not know that. In in, in BC, I guess. So how long do we are we allowed to hold on to our G2 in Ontario? Two years. Oh, sorry. Five years? Six years. Six years. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting uh, legal dilemma if they ever decided to force me to write that. But uh, no, I'm, at, you know, Angela, I'll admit I probably won't give us that uh, second reason point. But uh, yeah, I think I did warn you, Angela, that time I, g I gave you a quick ride uh, back to your place that I'm like a perpetual new driver. So how exciting was that, Angela? I'm not a bad driver. I'm not a correction. I'm not a bad driver. I just would probably fail the test which is why I'm not taking it. Not a good explanation. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to come clean right now guys and confess to something about my license, my full license. So I got a G2 from Ontario and then I moved to Quebec and then I moved back. So when I moved back I got a full license because they don't have the graduated system in Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> so I skipped that test. <sighs> Maybe I need to learn if, your way. If, if you if you ever need that full license, we'll move to Quebec. <laughs> Isn't it ironic that a bunch of immigration lawyers are talking about ways to anyways? We're like, <laughs> Bad advice, guys, but you know, it just so happens that I, I was actually in Quebec. So <laughs> interesting. Wonderful, wonderful. Cool. All right. We have our last question now. Okay. And we're choosing to direct this to um to Andrew. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so do you want to read it or should I read it? Okay, I could read it. Um, between Baker and Vavilov, which decision do you think is a better read and why? Oh, as immigration lawyers. I read think. as a piece of writing or just read <laughs> as a decision? What's your, maybe we'll, we'll reward it. What's your favorite decision between the two of them? Which one is your favorite and why? It's a tough question. I don't feel like it is, but anyway, let's see what happens. I don't know. I'm on the fence about that too sometimes though. LJ, you, 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 the answer was to Andrew. So you show what you think Andrew wrote. Okay, I think Andrew wrote Baker because it's not as dry as the Sahara. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, just, you know, whoever wrote that, I'm so sorry. <laughs> As a chief justice, you're, you're, you're I know, I know. <laughs> I think we're on we're on opposite ends for sure. Oh, oh wow. wow! Oh, no deference to expertise. Oh, oh. oh. we got them, Angela. We got them. <laughs> got us. Yeah, <laughs> points to you guys. All right, um, Andrew, I'm gonna give you the honors uh, to ask this question. Uh, sure. Um, I'm going to ask this to Angela mm. um, and it would be Angela, if you were back in law school and you had the opportunity to do an internship, would you rather do an internship with UNHCR or the IOM? 
Oh, wow. Exactly. <laughs> I think Angela needs some context slash the person guessing also needs some context. <laughs> so Andrew, tell us based on your uh, experience and years of experience, what the difference between the two organizations are. <laughs> um, one, at least nominally, has a, a mandate for the protection of forced migrants, whereas the other leans far more towards um, encouraging voluntary returns to different countries. While both both are in the spirit of supporting forced migrants, one very strongly has a has a stronger mandate towards one aspect of the system. Are we going to match which one is which? <laughs> oh, sorry. It should be uh, the UNHCR because because of its uh, enabling um, mm. treaties uh, definitely leans towards refugee protection, whereas the IOM has a unsavory reputation for some of its programs. Wonderful. That didn't tell me anything at all, but wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Learn something every day, right? If any of your listeners are IOM uh, employees, <laughs> I, I don't think my criticism is unusual to you. All right, folks, we're gonna take, we're gonna, we're gonna hit the perpetual home run, and uh, oh, sorry, use the wrong word. But we're gonna hit a home run, and we're gonna, we're gonna win this game. Bef- before you announce, can you recap the scores for us? So we know what's on the line. Uh, well, the, actually, there were zero points given. So I think we're um, it's a, it's a tie score now. But if we get this one right, we we win. I think, or maybe not, or something of that nature. <laughs> Anyways, um, what is on the line is a uh, post-COVID next conference. The uh, losing team must uh, take out the winning team for a uh, meal and drinks of nice. beverages. We, some oh, of us don't drink but beverages uh, at the next in-person conference. Do we know oh, where the next in-person conference is? Where it would be? Uh, no, probably, probably all virtual for, for the, I think it's gonna be a while, but we'll see. All right. Okay, so my answer is the UNHCR. Because Angela loves refugee law. Um, and I want to add that initially when I started my own firm, it wasn't going to actually, I wasn't actually going to do much refugee law uh, because I just found that there were other people who spent many, many more years doing it. And I was trying to do the intersections of like H and C and other areas. And then Angela comes in and I'm just like, we got to start doing refugee law because Angela loves it. So I hope, and thank you, Andrew, for all the little gimmies and the... <laughs> The, the TMI information about the organizations, but I think that this probably is the right answer. And Angela, please confirm. And yes, my answer is the UNHCR, um, and that's because it'd be more in line with my values of protecting refugees. <laughs> they got the two points. I guess, Andrew, we owe them dinner. <laughs> uh, that That is well-deserved. Yes, absolutely. Definitely not steak and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that was a lot of fun. All right, that was fun. Uh, again, um, Andrew, Angela, thank you so much for uh, humoring us for this episode and uh, coming in to answer and um, you know answer questions and you know play our games and um, you know I hope you had fun. We look forward to seeing you on future episodes, and we can't wait to announce you to the world uh, with this upcoming podcast. Well, thanks. 
See, see, see you around. <laughs> see you in Twitter space. <laughs> Thank you so much. Take care. So, Will, that was fun. Um, so what's in your mind? Well, um, I'm definitely excited for a presentation to IRCC. Um, looking forward to talking to them about the transitions that our clients are going through. And hopefully we can present this as well to uh, our audience as well uh, next week, which I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm looking forward to next week as well. We have an incredible episode with Mark Holthy, who oh. is, oh, that's, uh, you know, I, we feel both lucky. First of all, I think, LJ, when are you showing on a show or did you already go on a show? No, not yet. And in fact, I've been following him for such a long time. The fact that he invited me like really brings butterflies to the stomach. And um, in my head, I'm like, am I ready for this? But uh, you know what? No time is ready. So I'm just going to go for it. Um, Mark's an amazing guy. I met him uh, during the uh, immigration law conferences for CBA. And, uh, you know, he's not, um, he, he's, he's, he's a great guy. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to having him next week, actually. Very, very, quite, quite the coup d'etat that you've pulled out pulled out there yeah we're we're um you know he's got a huge audience uh and his uh tech skills are impeccable so we're actually gonna have him come on and tell us what he thinks clients should know about tech skills and how to improve their own tech uh capacities to to better uh you know uh facilitate the immigration process so that's gonna be really exciting and i'm looking forward to it yeah just a casual conversation essentially and storytelling at this point Maybe we'll play some games with him as well. We'll figure out something. Cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm really excited to actually, uh, you know, do one of your uh, amazing games with Mark. Thank you. So um, I'm responsible for the closing today. And, and given we've had such a lighthearted episode, let's end closing on, on maybe a more serious note. I mean, today we talked about team, right? We brought in our teams. What does it mean to be a team? You know, the, the lawyer poet uh, Norbiz M. Phillips has this quote that I think is just incredible. If we were all in this together, we would not be in this together. But here we are, in a sense, together, whether we want to be or not. Uh, and immigration as a topic is sure to split that public consensus right now, right in half. Uh, from those who are, have had their processes delayed and are separated from families that they're waiting to see, uh, to those who say that now, uh, you know, Canadian jobs should be prioritized versus uh, jobs held by foreign nationals, and the reality is that many Canadians don't want to do the jobs that the foreign nationals are doing in our farms uh, and the nursing homes of our nation. But what should we do? What can we do at this stage to act as a team? Well, I think our team needs to vaccinate migrant workers first because they are sacrificing their bodies and lives. Uh, while we are oftentimes staying comfortable in our socially distant homes. We need to create pathways to permanent residence for workers that were previously deemed by our system low-skilled, because if we can invite 27,000-plus applicants with a random draw, surely we can create categories of 5,000 to 10,000 to at least put some of those workers who have put their essential skills and their lives on the line in the pathway to permanent residence with a future for their families that they've always desperately dreamed of. We can also spend this time fixing up programs, uh, recognizing that spouses want to be reunited soon, that schools will need students soon to make up the tuition money that they're losing, and to make processes that are, that are better, more secure, and more human. And I think that's something that we've talked about on this show a lot. How do we make processes more human? So, how do we as a team better reflect a new post-COVID reality? 
How do we humanize those that we interact with? How do we seek help those who are seeking security and acknowledge our imperfect union and certainly the imperfect immigration history of our country and do better? My argument not necessarily is about expanding immigration numbers. I think sometimes we focus too much just on the raw numbers. What do those numbers actually mean? It's a time to figure out how we do things better in terms of bringing on new stakeholders, be it the indigenous communities who should have a much larger voice in sovereignty over immigration.